Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is from the Sword of the Spirit Bible Conference. This is the second morning service of Saturday the 22nd of February 2014, entitled Facing Your Giants. And the Bible reading is taken from 1 Samuel chapter 17. Here's Pastor Brian Beaver. Uh, let's, let's carry on in 1 Samuel 16. I'll read the last of the chapter and start in verse, uh, chapter 17. But 1 Samuel 16, look down at verse number uh, 19. And when we talk about setting the battle, we've got, about think, we've got to think about uh, uh, what we're facing. And so I've entitled this uh, session, Facing Your Giants. And uh, by the way, you have to face them. You can't run from them. I made a statement to the young men uh, this week. We were talking, and I've had a great time uh, fellowshipping with the guys from the Bible College uh, that they've been, they've been coming this week uh, during the night sessions. And uh, uh, we were talking, and I said, you know, uh, the armor that we look at when we talk about the Sword of the Spirit Conference, the armor uh, that God gives to us and tells us to put on is all for the front of the body. It's kind of intriguing that none of it was for the back of the body. So that means we're not to retreat, we're not to surrender, but we're to attack. Uh, you've got on everything for the frontal assault. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that tonight. But everything we're going to focus on today, uh, we just did uh, through today, this morning session and through the evening, is basically about David and Goliath. And uh, I know we talk about team and we talk about uh, being a member of a team and working as a team. Uh, but you know, sometimes... Uh, being part of a team means you've got to go into battle. And uh, I want to make sure that you're arrayed, as the Scripture says, and you've got on the whole armor of God. And so uh, I want to give you some uh, giants that we face today. And some of these are going to uh, hit a little bit close to where we live. Um, I'm not going to talk about drug addiction. I'm not going to talk about any of the other things that we uh, uh, might find to be giants in our life, uh, such as maybe alcoholism or maybe internet pornography. You'd think that those are things that I'd probably, you think I would talk about, but I'm not going to talk about any of those. I'm going to hit us right where we live in our heart. Uh, some of these things, some of these giants that we face. And uh, I want you to look at uh, 1 Samuel 16, and we'll pick up our reading in verse number 19. It says, Wherefore Saul sent messengers unto Jesse and said, Send me David thy son, thy son which is with uh, the sheep. There again, he's an obedient son. He's a humble servant, but he's a faithful soldier. And that's one thing that I love about David. Uh, David was a young man who, even after he was anointed, uh, still went out and obeyed his father's command, went out and tended the sheep. Uh, he was very, very obedient, but he was also very humble. Uh, imagine what you would be like. Imagine what I would be like if I was anointed king and, and, and then uh, was told to go and uh, clean the restrooms. Are you kidding me? I'm the king of Israel. I'm not going to tend the sheep. No, David just obeyed, and he did it with a level of humility. Uh, young people, the, I, I want you to understand something. God, God is attracted to humility. That's what attracts God. Matter of fact, the Bible said God resisteth the... You know the Bible says that, that, that God put up, he puts up a, an offensive front... God literally resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. And, 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 and folks, water flows downhill. Water never flows uphill. It goes down to the low place. 
And that's where God will give you grace. God gives grace to the humble, those in a low position. And we need people that will be humble before God. That's what God's attracted to is humility. I believe that's the reason why God's hand was upon David. Because he was humble. Do you want God's hand on you? Do you want God to use you? Then you can't have pride. You can't be arrogant. You can't see my, you know, look how, how much God ought to be pleased that he has me for a servant. You need to thank God that he chose you. Not the other way around. Okay? But it says, Wherefore Saul sent messengers unto Jesse and said, Send me David thy son, uh, which is with the sheep. And Jesse took a donkey laden with bread, a bottle of wine, a kid, and sent them by David his son unto Saul. And David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David, I pray thee, stand before me, for he hath found favor in my sight. That word favor means grace. He has found grace in my sight. What attracts God's grace to a person's life? The character of David is a great example. David was a man who was obedient. He was a man who was humble, but he was a man who was faithful. And young people, God requires us to be faithful. God demands of us faithfulness. Don't listen. Don't you go back to wherever it is that you, you, you live and, and, and into your church and just be business as usual after a meeting like this. Your heart ought to be so stirred after you leave having fellowship one with another and you know what, drawing strength and encouragement from one another that you ought to go back and be more faithful than you ever were before. That's what God wants. He, listen, it's required in what? Stewards that a man be found faithful. Be faithful. That's what David was. He was faithful. Came to pass, verse 23, it came to pass that when the evil spirit from God... That's, that sounds weird, doesn't it? Do you know God will allow things to take place in your life? God allows issues to happen. He even allowed the enemies of the nation of Israel to come against them in judgment. God allowed that to happen. We're going to get ready to look at one, the Philistines, the hated arch enemy of Israel. They hated Israel's guts. And God allowed many times the enemy of God to be the judgment for the consequences of sin. Do you realize, young people, every choice you make as a servant of God has consequences? Every choice you make. Where are you going to go? What are you going to do? Who are you going to be with? And I've said this before, and I want all of you to hear me, that you show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Be careful. Don't warm your hands beside the fire of the enemy, as Peter did. And then have to go out and weep bitterly after he had denied the Lord three times. Only for Jesus to come to him later on, and Peter had gotten discouraged and went back to his occupation of fishing. And Jesus looked at him and said, Peter, you know what? Do you really love me more than these? Do you love me more than fishing? He said, well, Lord, you know I love you. You know what he said? Well, then go and feed my sheep. Stop fishing and go back to preaching. Some of you in this room have forsaken the, thing that, the one thing that God has called you to do in your life. Now, listen, some of you may never do what I do, but you know what? I'll probably never do what you are able to do. 
Some of you are going to university and you're going to have an occupation and God's going to place you in a mission field. By the way, every single one of you are a missionary. You know that? Jay, you're a missionary. You'll reach people I'll never reach. You know what? Ruth, you and Gareth are going to reach people I'll never reach. You're a missionary. Everywhere, and listen, wherever God plants you, you're to grow in grace. You're to let God use you. And but Peter looked at the Lord and said, Lord, you know I love you. I don't have to tell you about those words that were spoken there. Most of us know the story. That word's not agape. He didn't, he didn't have an unconditional, sacrificial love. He had been discouraged and depressed. And some of you in here, you know what? You're struggling with that giant in your life right now. Oh, yeah, you can put the smile on. You can shake the hands the right way on Sunday. You can have everybody fooled and have the wool pulled over everybody's eyes, but deep down inside, you're discouraged, you're depressed, you're fearful, you're anxious, you're worrying, you're doubting, and all those giants are coming against you. How do you face your giants? Peter had a giant that was literally standing, looming large over him, and it was the giant of discouragement. And he said, Peter, do you really love me more than these? And Antonio said, you know I love you. Didn't mean agape. It's the word phileo. He said, you know I'm fond of you, Lord. And he said, feed my lambs. I want to ask you a question. If the Lord came to you right now and stood before you and said, do you love me more than you fill in the blank? Do you love me more than your girlfriend? Do you love me more than your mom and dad? Do you love me more than your job? Do you love me more than your certificate on the wall that says I have been endorsed by the country of England to do this task? Do you love me more than these? Because I'm going to tell you right now, I want all of you to listen to me. I've got a degree. You know where it's at? It's in the drawer of my desk. Took it off the wall because I began to start to get puffed up about it. And you know what God hates? God hates people that are puffed up and proud. I took it off the wall, Dave. I put it in my desk drawer because you know what? It's more important that people know that I'm available than I'm knowledgeable. I want to be approachable. As much as I hate it, I, I can't sleep here like I used to when I was young. Do you all realize when I came to this conference, the first time I came, I was 34 years old. The counselors were eight years old when I came here that are counselors now. <laughs> I feel old. But it does not stop me from being approachable. I'm here for you this weekend. I don't care what you want to talk about. You get me, pull my arm, take me into a corner, we'll talk about it. That's what I'm here for. Amen? I've never stopped being that way. I want to be approachable. I don't want to be one of them hit and run preachers. You know? Gets to you on Sunday or on Saturday afternoon and you just, I mean, just lays it to you, you know, and then you can't find me after the service. I don't want to be one of them. That's why I like playing games and, and having fun. By the way, it's all right to have fun as a Christian. I'm having more fun to barrel of monkeys. I mean, honestly, I am. I love it, man. I love being saved. I love being with God's people. But you know what? I had to get to a point in my life, brother, where I had to say, Lord, do I really love you more than anything else? See, that's where it's all at, guys. Young people, that's where it's at. 
You know, Dave and Abby, I, I, I love you guys, and, and I've been praying uh, that God would give you children. Amen. I know you think I'm crazy, but I really have because you know what? You are, this, uh, this is some choice of servants of God right here. I love these folks. They've been faithful. Do you know what? As much as I love, and you know, God's going to give you family. And God's going to give you children in the future. And praise the Lord for that. And you know what? You couples that are looking for your wife, God's going to give you one. All right? God's going to give you a wife. God's going to give you a husband. Just be patient. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen your heart. Let all that be in God's hands. Stop trying to push doors open that God hadn't opened up yet. You're welcome. Just let God do his business. And just listen, say, God, I'm, I'm going I'm to trust you. I'm facing a giant. But you know what? As much as I loved my children, listen, it was easy for me, and I want all of y'all to listen to me, because I know some of you in here have already started your vocation. You know, I think about my friend Panna. Panos has uh, gotten married. Now he's got a daughter. She's beautiful. My soul. I, I'm glad she take, she's taken after her mother. But... um. <laughs> She's beautiful. Man, he's doing great. He was in lectures this week at university. God's blessing his life. He just got out of the military. Do you know what, Panos? As much as it was easy for me to turn my, my vocation over to God and say, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. As easy it was for me to take, and honestly, I, I, it, this became a rather easy thing the more I submitted my life. And are you listening to me? Don't fall asleep on me yet. All right? Some of you are. Don't fall asleep yet. It was easy. I promise you, the more I submitted my life, Jay, to Jesus Christ, it was easy for me to take my wallet and say, God, it's yours. Because you know what I figured out, Peter? If God owns it all, that means I don't own anything. It's all His anyway. It was easy for me to turn those things over. But I'll tell you what's hard to turn over is that which you love the most. The hardest thing for me to do in my life was to say, Lord, I'm giving you my children. I'm giving you my children. And I'm going to trust you to do with them that which I cannot do. Young people, the thing you love the most, you think about it in your life right now. Think about what you love the most. And you know what I tell you? I'll tell you what a preacher told me one time, young people. Preacher looked at me one time who literally did this, Gareth, at a meeting I was in, took his car keys, and there was a missionary there from, I believe it was from the country, one of the, one of the Eastern Bloc countries had come over and it was in our missions conference. And I literally watched the preacher go to him after, in Georgia, go to him after the service and give the missionary the keys to his brand new car. Because the missionary needed some transportation to get around the country. Didn't have no way of doing that. And the, the, the preacher looked at him and said, here. The missionary looked at him and said, how can you give me your brand new car? He said, well, you know what? He said, I have learned not to fall in love with things. And when you don't fall in love with something, it's easy to give it away. He didn't say it about people. He said it about things. See, sometimes our... Sometimes our attitude is this. We ought, we ought to love things and use people. No, we ought to love people and use things. What giant are you facing? I'm not talking about all these 
accoutrements and externals. I'm not talking about all this outside stuff that we see on the outside. I'm talking about the internal giants. What are those giants that are hovering over your life? The shadows are so long and they, they, they hover over you and you feel like you're about to suffocate. Can I ask you, what are you going to do? How are you going to face them? The fact of the reality of life is this. You're just going to have to do it. You can't run from it. You got to stand up, broaden your shoulders and say, you know what? Me and God are a majority and I'm going to face this thing head on. Man, we worry about stuff that ain't even going to happen. I wonder when I'm going to have a heart attack. I mean, we sit around, there's people that literally sit around and worry about whether they're going to have a heart attack or not. You know? I wonder when my arm's going to fall off. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, I say unto you, take no thought. You know what the words take no thought mean, right? Don't worry. Don't worry. Paul said it from a jail cell. Listen to me, young people. Paul said from a jail cell, listen, be careful for nothing. Don't be anxious, but in everything, by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Don't worry. Walk around for... Here's what we do. Dave, we get down and we pray, Lord... You please provide for this need. Lord, i got a school bill coming up. And we get up off our knees and we go, Oh, how, God, how is God going to provide for that? Oh, I don't know. We pray and then we worry. How contradicting is that? Don't worry. See, some of you in here, you're facing a giant of worry. You're worrying about stuff that ain't even going to happen. I gave this illustration a few years ago that, that there was a company in, in California, in the United States, that started up about 10 years ago, and the name of the company is the Wor Worry Company Incorporated. They've actually been incorporated. The, they're called the Worry Company. I'm like, what do they do? I looked them up online. For, listen, for the first year of their existence, they had over 2 million hits of people getting online or call them. They had a 1-800 number that you could call. You know what they did? They had operators manning the phones that would answer the phone and say, hello, this is the Worry Company Incorporated. How may I help you? You know what you do? You tell them your problems. You tell them what you're worrying about and they'll worry for you. How moronic is that? How stupid is that? that you would call up somebody else to worry about your problems. <laughs> well, we'll worry for you. You just go to bed and have a nice, have a nice evening. How would... Can I tell you something? I want all of you to look at me. Every single one of you in here have a 1-800 number, and it's in the Bible. The, listen, the believer can... Listen, 1 Peter chapter 5 or 7 says, Casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. You can cast everything you got. You don't have to worry about nothing. Don't, t listen, don't worry about what you eat. Don't worry about what you drink. Don't worry about the clothing that you wear. But listen, because if God can so clothe the grass of the field, feed the birds of the air, He can meet your needs. Don't worry. That, that, that giant of worry. Then there's a giant of fear. And some of you in here are scared to death. You're scared to death. And that giant's going to suffocate you if you're not careful. That giant's going to come to you and say, who will come down and face me? 
I'm here to tell you that the Bible says, Paul even said this to his preacher boy. Listen to me, young man. He said, God had not given us a spirit of fear. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. You don't have to be fearful. Those disciples were on that ship, and Nathan sang about it the other night. They said, we need somebody to stop these winds and waves, and they only knew only one way to do it. They went to the bow of the ship, and they woke Jesus up, and he said, peace be still, and the winds and the waves obeyed him. Isn't it amazing we serve a God that can step on the neck of a storm and say, peace be still, and it can be quiet. He can do that in your life. Don't be fearful. Be faithful. And you know what? Sometimes the best thing we can do, do you all agree with me? The best thing we can do is just drive the boat into the teeth of the storm and make a mess of stuff. And we need Jesus to come on the scene and say, peace be still. Don't be fearful. Listen, some of you are facing a giant of worry. You're facing a giant of fear. Some of you are facing a, a giant of doubt. That's what scares me. I've said this many times. I, I'm, listen, it's very obvious to me there's a group of people in the world that love God. That, they're obvious, the people that love the Lord. There's also another group that's very obvious, and they're the people that don't love God. But the people that scare me mo the most is the people that don't know whether they love God or not. Those people that doubt whether God can really provide a table in the wilderness, as Panos says. Can you really furnish a table? Has he not done it before? Did he not provide water out of a rock? Did he not provide manna from heaven that fell every morning and they gathered it up and ate? God can meet your need. He did that for 40 years for the children of Israel every day. He can meet your need. You don't have to be doubting. You don't have to doubt whether God's going to do something in your life. Stop looking at your bank account. Stop looking at your circumstances and get your eyes on Christ. Well, preacher, this is just too simple. It's just too simple. It's got to be harder than that. No, it ain't. I said ain't. Yeah, I did. It's not that hard. Face them. Put on the whole armor of God, stand before your Savior, and say, Lord, with your help and what you've equipped me with, I will stand against the giant in my life. Some of you in here worry. Some of you here right now, you're fearful. Some of you have doubted God. You got a broken home. You don't, you don't see God providing the need for your school bill. You don't see God providing the need for you to have a place to live. You're saying, Lord, I don't understand. I've been begging you to bring me a mate. I've been begging you to bring me a help me. I've been begging you to bring me a companion that I can live with in life and we can share the blessings of God and you haven't done it yet. Why? Well, let me go ahead and just encourage you that it ain't wrong to ask why. You know, a lot of people say, well, it's wrong. You ought not question God. Job did. Matter of fact, I can read, I could read you verse after verse after verse that Job questioned, why God? Why God? Why'd you do this? Why'd you take my flocks? Why'd you take my family? Why'd you take my finances? Why'd you affect my flesh? Why'd you lift all these bulls? Even my wife said, curse God and die. She said, listen, don't, don't worry about it. You just need to go ahead and die, Job. Why'd you do all that? And do you know what? God asked Job about 63 questions. And Job sat there and did this. He couldn't even answer a word. God looked at Job and said, 
Does the lightning report to you and say, where should I go? Do you think about that? Chew on that a minute, guys. Do you know the lightning sat, comes to God and said, sir, where would you like me to go? That's the God I serve. You know what? After God asked him a series of questions, Dave, Job said these words, I have heard of thee by the hearing of my ear, but now my eye seeth thee. And he said, wherefore I abhor myself. He literally did this. He got down on his knees and he said, Lord, I'm sorry. I realize who you are. And he made this statement, yea, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Well, God, you're not fair. God, you don't care. And God, you don't seem like you're there. I can promise you this. And when those giants face you of worry, when that giant of doubt faces you, when that giant of fear faces you, if you're not careful, the greatest giant that each and every one of you in here will face is the giant of trying to figure out how to do it yourself. Can I ask you a question? Follow me. When you worry, when you worry about something so long, you know what it leads to? It leads to fear. When you become afraid and scared to death of something, you know what it leads to, Gareth? It leads to doubt. And when you doubt God, you know what you do? Well, let me see if I can sit down here and figure out how to do this myself. There's giants in your life. Tonight, we're going to look at how to, how to defeat that giant. You say, preacher, you've told me the giants. I'm not going to leave you without encouragement. But you've got to come back tonight. You've got to wake up and come back tonight. All right? Some of y'all need to get a nap after we get back from the city center. All right? So, hey, amen, I heard an amen there. Praise the Lord. I heard an amen. I didn't know I was preaching, but I, I guess I was right there. But anyway, the giants in your life, how to face them. You know what? It's one central truth I want you to think about. Just one practical, applicable solution. Just get up, Benjamin, and look at it in the face and say, you know what? If I don't face this, I'll never be able to fight it. You can't fight something if all your energy is, is put into retreating. You've got to channel your You've got to exert every bit of energy and focus on that one thing, and that is, you know what? I, by the grace of God, as Paul said, will defeat this giant in my life. Maybe you're worrying. Maybe you're fearful. Maybe you're doubting. Maybe some of you in here have tried to figure out, you know what you do? Here's what you do. You get your checkbook out, or you, get, you look at your bank statement, and you go, okay, I've got this amount of money coming in. If I pay these bills and pay that bill and then I pay my school bill, then I'll have this much left over to give God. What you need to do is you need to do this. Okay, God, all this money's yours, so I'm going to do this first. I'm going to give you what's rightfully yours, and I'm going to watch you meet all of these other needs. See, the problem with most of us in here, the reason we doubt, the reason we worry, the reason we're fearful, and the reason we're trying to be self-sufficient is because we've left God out of the equation. We've left Him out of the equation. You can't leave Him out of the equation when you're facing giants. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for this time. I pray that you'd help these young people. Lord, when they're facing these giants in their life, Lord, maybe the giant of anxiety, maybe the giant of uh, fearfulness, 
maybe the giant of doubting whether or not you can meet the needs of your people. And Lord, help us not to be self-sufficient. Lord, you sent the Holy Spirit of God into our lives that He could reprove this world of three things, and that was sin, self-righteousness, and self-judgment. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to follow your leadership today in this uh, time together, in the discussion time to come. And Lord, as we go to the city center, I pray that you'd give us boldness, and Lord, to help us to sing uh, as, as a, a group of people that know that their Redeemer lives. And we'll love you and thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.